Welcome to Dig It. This is Edge flying solo this week. Corey and Speaker are out. How are all you lovely people doing today, this Friday morning? Leave a comment below. Love to hear how you guys are doing. We're going to cover a lot this week. So we've got the Katanji Brown Jackson confirmation, Disney's backlash, and the Colorado abortion law, as well as we're going to talk about why the media is turning on Biden and suddenly admitting the Hunter laptop is real. And we'll talk about HiveMind's latest video on the Elon Musk stake in Twitter and what that all means. So stay with us. Let's get started. We're going to talk about the Katanji Brown Jackson confirmation this week. So yes, Katanji Brown Jackson was confirmed by the Senate this week in a 53 to 47 vote. And so I don't know if this came to uh, as a shock to any of you. We kind of all expected it to go here, but here's what I'll say about it. The Katanji Brown Jackson confirmation vote this week has really brought the discussion of the rampant child porn distribution to the forefront and to just listen to the Democrats and some Republicans downplaying it and marginalizing it as some sort of conspiracy theory has just been really eye-opening for a lot of the public. The protection of child predators is just on full display here in Congress as the Senate has moved to confirm creepy pedo joe's supreme court nominee who conveniently and consistently goes easy on child porn criminals so the democrats are consistently arguing in these confirmation hearings for kbj that it's congress's fault that the sentences are too light for child porn criminals not kbj's fault so Republicans called their bluff this week and proposed a bill, and this bill was for strengthening the child porn criminal sentences and giving a mandatory minimum sentence of five years. And so Josh Hawley presented that bill this week and proposed it, and of course, it was shot down and blocked by the Democrats who are doubling down now and putting their protection of pedos agenda on full display, which is just disgusting. But the Democrats have solidified their brand name at this point with that of and synonymous with groomers and child predators but of course they can't get the job done without corrupt republicans who are right there alongside of them like that of murkowski collins and romney of course right so they got their confirmation 
of the pedo protector to the Supreme Court. But I think this backlash against this will have devastating repercussions to the Democrat Party forever. This is going to be a career ending vote for a lot of these pedo protector politicians. What do you guys think? Leave a comment. But speaking of pedo protectors, this week also we're really seeing Disney's agenda on full display. Disney has received a huge backlash against their child grooming agenda. And it's been glorious to watch. And the public awareness of Disney's blatant agenda to groom and sexualize kids has just exploded. Hashtags like groomer, groomergate, they've been trending. Pissed off parents have been protesting outside of Disney's headquarters calling for a boy a boycott of Disney and people are putting their money where their mouth is by canceling Disney Plus and canceling their vacations in droves look here it was our happy place families cancel Disney trips abandon Disney Plus over companies woke ideology so people are really starting to come out in force and put their money where their mouth is and Disney Plus is seeing massive cancellations across the board boycotting all of this because of their groomer agenda. And it's been great to see. So and it's just like the confirmation of KBJ. Liberals in the media and on social media are now showing their true colors when it comes to grooming and to run to Disney's defense. So, you know, pedo panic groomer left melts down as agenda to sexualize children is exposed. So the bed, the pedo dam is breaking corporate media panics over right and over the rights, anti-groomer, anti-pedophile rhetoric. They just don't know how to handle this. So they're rushing to the defense of Disney and KPJ and, uh, you know, propping the um, DeSantis' bill for parents' rights to protect um, parents' rights to protect their children, kindergarten through third grade, when really, and calling it the don't say gay bill, when really this is all about protecting kids kindergarten through third grade from being groomed by teachers secretly behind the packs of parents. And in just, you know, the recent days, all of these headlines coming out, um, headline after headline, trying to come to Disney's defense, and they've just been hysterical. Let's read this one. The new red scare, the right leans into pedophilia accusations against the groomer smear. It's not pro-pedophile to back Katanji Brown Jackson, and it's not grooming to oppose Florida's new education law. Here's another one. Conservatives are smearing don't say gay opponents as pedophile groomers. And another one. Why are Republicans so concerned about grooming? It just goes on and on. So 
it's hilarious to watch how the left and the corrupt corporate media are rushing to the defense of Disney, of Katanji Brown Jackson, and they are completely and absolutely triggered by this accurate description of their agenda. And so we should just keep doing it because it's working. How many times have we on the right been called fascists and Nazis and all of these other derogatory words that were totally inaccurate? But here we actually are being accurate with a description of teaching children kindergarten through third grade about sexuality as grooming. It is. That's because it is grooming. So just in case anyone thinks we're going too far with our characterization of teaching kids aged K through third grade about sex, don't take my word for it. Take the American Bar Association's word for it. And this kind of information uh, that they have on their website uh, it breaks down the different types of grooming of kids, which can be used as evidence of sexual grooming, grooming to convict offenders, right? And what do they have here on their own site? It says, other behaviors predators may be using during the grooming process are discussing sexually explicit information under the guise of education. Huh, that is exactly what teachers across the country are doing. And that is exactly what the bill in Florida was designed to protect children from, as well as showing the child sexually explicit images, which we know time and time again, we have seen throughout books in libraries, in schools and pamphlets and posters and all kinds of resources distributed to children in schools, K through third grade we're talking about here that are sexually explicit images. So there you have it. But I guess this week we should call this podcast all about protecting the children because they are coming after the children. And this week really has put on full display, whether it's the Katanji Brown Jackson confirmation in the Senate, or whether it's Disney and the left's defense of Disney over grooming children, it's become very apparent that the left, the Marxist uh, agenda for this country does not care about kids. They do not care about the family at all. And one other example of that this week is this bill out of Colorado. So in another disgusting display of how the left is truly coming after our children, Colorado has signed a radical abortion bill into law making abortion legal throughout the pregnancy, including late-term abortions, the killing of viable babies with no limits. Disgusting. Read here, it says, the new law declares abortion 
to be the fundamental right under state law and denies all rights and legal protections to any fertilized egg, embryo, or fetus. And this goes up to birth. So it also prohibits cities and municipalities from banning abortions through local ordinances, such as uh, others have done through the sanctuary city for the unborn movement. And they're also warning because of the uh, language or lack of language used in this law, pro-lifers are warning that the legislation also jeopardizes one of the only abortion regulations left in Colorado, which is the parental notification law for minors, meaning uh, it may bring into question whether or not uh, underage girls who obtain abortions can do so without notifying the parents. So this is an extremely radical abortion law giving no rights whatsoever under the law to the unborn child, but giving the mother the full rights under the law to have an abortion all the way through pregnancy, including late-term abortions of viable babies. Absolutely demonic, disgusting, and evil, pure evil. They're not hiding their hatred for families and children anymore. They are putting it fully on display. And if that's not a wake-up call for you, I just don't know what is. But Colorado is not the only country, I'm sorry, the only state. Uh, Colorado has joined 15 other states and Washington, D.C., and codifying the right to have an abortion either prior to the fetus's viability or throughout pregnancy in state law. Now, Colorado's is one of the most extreme, uh, 12 states allowing uh, or protecting the right to abortion uh, prior to viability, and then four states plus Washington, D.C. Um, are allowing abortions throughout pregnancy, including Colorado. I'm just reading this graph here. So Colorado, Washington, D.C., New Jersey, Oregon, and Vermont, it looks like. So, wow. There you have it on full display. They are coming for our children, our children and the family. So, absolutely disgusting to watch. But I think that sadly, this is a red pill for people, whether it's the Katanji Brown Jackson. Uh, confirmation, whether it's Disney's uh, reaction to Florida's 
bill to protect uh, kindergartners through third graders from being groomed by teachers secretly behind parents' backs, or whether it's bills like the bill in Colorado to legalize uh, abortions all the way through pregnancy, even late-term abortions. It is a massive red pill for the public, and as you can see, they're outraged, they're waking up, and there is going to be consequences um, to the people that are pushing this. Um, we can vote, we can vote with our money. Um, there's a lot of ways that people are going to react to this, but it is going to have devastating consequences for them. So as disgusted as I am to see these kinds of things take place, it is quite encouraging to see the backlash that's happening and that will continue to reverberate uh, across the country uh, in various ways like this right here where their people are fighting back. So that is encouraging to see that. But what's really interesting this week and um, is what's going on with the the media. So the media has been covering for Joe Biden for a year and a half now. And all of a sudden, the media is turning on Biden. Suddenly, they're admitting the Hunter Biden laptop is real, which is just wild to watch this. I mean, every propaganda outlet is now covering the Hunter Biden laptop story and now saying that it's credible, right? So these were the very same institutions that colluded with Biden and the Biden campaign to suppress this material and discredit the laptop story in 2020. But now all of a sudden, every mainstream, I don't even want to say mainstream, every corrupt corporate media outlet is suddenly turning on Biden and carrying the Hunter Biden laptop story as real. And I'm going to give you guys just an example. Joe Scarborough here. Pretty funny to, to listen to him actually admitting it. So have a listen. Post comes out with it. They're the mm -hmm. only one that comes out with it. And then it is banned on social yeah. media. That's I mean, bad. Yeah, yeah that, that's it's horrific. Be, 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 yeah. That's bad. Because, again, it, it is, I think we have to, you know, you, you have to say it. It's a real, it's a real story. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Post comes And this is the very same Joe Scarborough that was calling the Hunter Biden laptop story false and a hokey story. I know that none of you listening to Dig It give a crap what Joe Scarborough says. It's simply notable to, um, to see, uh, to watch these clowns in the media now finally admitting it. And it does have to raise questions as to why are they doing it now? Why now, suddenly, are they turning on Biden? Well, I think that they never really gave a crap about Biden himself. He was always just a seat filler. I mean, they knew he, he this dementia-ridden, corrupt pedophile was just 
filling a seat for a time being. It was really about maintaining their power. They didn't care who filled the seat just as long as they maintained power. And when it, they knew that their best chance of getting in was with Biden, they knew they were going to have to do some sort of bait and switch. We all knew they were going to do a bait and switch, right? In fact, I'm kind of surprised it didn't happen sooner. But here we are. It looks like the bait and switch is upon us. Uh, the They're ready to make that switch and install Biden's replacement, it seems. So who and how has always been the question. But another thing that happened this week uh, was pretty interesting uh, because as we've all kind of commented in the past, here we have uh, Barack Obama, you know, coming to the White House. And this was yet another signal that they're publicly showing that Biden's done. I mean, he's absolutely just done. And the shadow president, Obama, has now emerged from the shadows. And, you know, he was just visiting the White House this week, but the kind of uh, attention that, that Obama received, um, the kind of, the, the way that Biden was completely shrugged off, not even acknowledged, it was very clear that they were making a public statement here that look, this is the real President Obama. Uh, we all know that Biden's a puppet and that he means nothing. He's just a seat filler. So definitely see them making moves as far as trying to signal to the public that they're done with Biden and ready to move on to whomever is going to fill that seat. But um, just saw this Babylon B um, <laughs> article uh, this week commenting about it and, you know, sarcastically, of course, it is Babylon B. President Barack Obama returns to the White House after growing tired of working remotely. And how many times have we seen uh, Babylon B articles um, actually predict reality? Um, so this is just really, yes, it's, sarca it's sarcasm, but it is true. Uh, and we all know it. So normally, a president can only hold two offices, said Barack Obama to other elites gathered at the White House. But we found this one little loophole where you just take a third term anyway by working online. <laughs> so looks like President Barack Obama, shadow President Barack Obama, is no longer remotely working. And now he has emerged from the shadows um, to show America that Biden was never really the one in charge. And I think everybody's getting the message. Definitely going to have to keep an eye on what kind of stuff the Democrats try to pull moving into 2022. It's clear they're already signaling now they're ready to get rid of Biden. And I just don't see Biden lasting much longer. I can't definitely not through the entire term. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens leading up to 2022. So uh, the last thing that I wanted to um, touch on this week, which is actually some good news, um, is Elon's stake in Twitter. And Speaker and I had done a video on this over on HiveMind uh, earlier this week, so you can check that out. I'll leave a link in the description below. But we just talked about how uh, Elon Musk has bought 
over 9% of the shares and has been appointed to Twitter's board of directors. And this news comes after Elon has been very vocal about Twitter censorship. And he has vowed to make significant improvements to Twitter. So it has been hysterical to watch the liberals, especially working from within Twitter, be completely triggered by this. And there has been speculation about how active or passive this role will be by Elon Musk on the board. But he did this week file an SEC filing, originally taking a passive role in ownership of Twitter, and then amending that filing, changing that filing with the SEC to take an active role in the management of Twitter, meaning he has full intentions to make some changes, as he said very clearly on Twitter. So what are those changes going to be? Lots of speculation, but he's definitely put out lots of uh, tweets um, talking about how Twitter uh, is, is essential, free speech is essential for functioning democracy and Twitter does not uphold free speech. And we even um, have video of the CEO, um, uh, Parag Agrawal, um, speaking about their policy and how they do not care about the First Amendment. They do not care about free speech. It's more about who is heard. So uh, basically admitting that Twitter has been shadow banning uh, accounts and amplifying the accounts of the voices uh, that are politically and ideologically aligned with the um, with the, the left and Twitter. So nothing surprising there. I myself have personally been banned from Twitter around the same time that Trump was banned. And so I think people are wondering what kind of changes are down the pipe for Twitter. Uh, will suspended accounts like Trump's account be reinstated? I think that's a possibility, but I'm not going to hold my breath. We'll see. Um, that'd be nice uh, to see if you if if Elon Musk is actually really wants to see free speech on Twitter, then you're going to have to let the 50% of their original um, users back onto the platform before they banned them all. In order to have that balanced discussion instead of a one-sided echo chamber discussion that is currently happening on Twitter. Twitter currently is really just a social engineering platform echo chamber at this point. Um, so in order to make it a free speech platform that allows debate, you would have to, in my opinion, reinstate accounts that have been suspended, including Trump's, mine, and millions of others. Will there be an edit button? This is interesting. I know a lot of people were um, considering or were, were talking about how this needed to happen and have always talked about that. 
But Twitter had, funnily, uh, Twitter admitted this week that they are um, in the works, that an edit button is in the works. And it was what was funny about it is that they wanted to point out and make sure that everyone was aware that it had nothing to do at all with Elon Musk joining the board. But I do think some positive things could come from this. I think that we could could benefit from this. Um, Musk, I don't, I do not idolize Musk in the way that many people do. I do understand that, that Musk is a populist and he's a disruptor, which can be good for us in a lot of ways. But and I think that he thinks his intentions are good. But I know that he's terribly misguided on thinking that there's only one way for humanity to survive um, the emergence of super AI, which is to merge with AI, known as the singularity, which is what he's trying to accomplish with Neuralink. And I think that would actually be the end of humanity. So I fundamentally disagree with Elon Musk on that. And um, it does actually worry me that uh, young people um, idolize Elon Musk and the role that he's playing here in Twitter um, and other areas and things that he has done that are good. I remember that he um, was very, uh, he promoted the uh, the Canadian truckers, freedom truckers. There are a lot of things that Elon Musk has done that are good. And so um, I admit that and understand that he's a populist, he's a disruptor, and he believes that what he's doing is right and what is, is best for humanity. I just fundamentally disagree on what is right for humanity on some key issues with him. And I'm very wary about idolizing a figure with such money, power, and influence as Elon Musk, who can actually drive society in directions. I mean, I think about kids who will be in a position um, sometime in the near future to get the, the biggest um, and best upgrade and, uh, you know, that would make the iPhone obsolete, um, which would be neural implants. And, you know, they would are the kind of people that would would trust Elon Musk because he's done so many other good things. Right. So I am very, very wary of that. Um, because I know that even with good intentions, the road to hell can be uh, paved by good intentions. Um, so you have to look at more of the outcomes of those good intentions, not just the intentions themselves. But seriously, this Twitter um, takeover, it does look like a good thing for us. Uh, the ones who have been banned from Twitter and who promote free speech. And I think that it could be a positive thing for us for the time being, uh, though I remain very guarded about Elon Musk in general and his other ventures like Neuralink. So. Tell me what you think, what your thoughts are on any of these topics this week that we've discussed. Hopefully, uh, Corey and Speaker will be back next week. And uh, thank you guys so much for sticking with me as I fly solo this week <laughs> here on Dig It. Please be sure to share this podcast. We're on BitChute, Foxhole, Gab TV, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Pilled, Rumble, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and YouTube. And we'll see you back next time right here on Dig It.